Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Not Share with Dr. Dave is hosted on GrokShare.com, iTunes, and Google Play. You are listening to episode number 43 with Dr. Dave and Van Ray. Our discussion is based on his topic Your Mind is Not an Office How to Be Fully Present to What Matters Most. His focus is to connect the best of productivity thinkers, for example, David Allen, Getting Things Done, and the latest in cognitive performance and brain science. Van stated that there are mindful, friendly, and unfriendly ways to deliver value. We do not come with a manual on how to use our mind, so we get an untrained mind to start with. We need some equipping to help our mind work at its optimal capability. Van, my friend, how are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, we're hanging out here at um, Agile Open SoCal 2017 in Irvine at um, UCI. What's on your mind? Uh, you know, what's, what's your, your latest topic, things that you want to talk about today? I think the one for me is the one that I've been researching for years and I've kind of formulated it in uh, some material that I've uh, watched have some impact. And it's um, a workshop that I call Your Mind is Not an Office. Ah. Uh, and the subtitle is How to Be Fully Present to What Matters Most. And so that's been a big one for me. So it's top of my mind. Yeah, you can just see visually, I could just see like the, the, the whole um, farm queue going through my <laughs> mind. <laughs> Your mind is not an office. This is fun. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so would that be fair to say that it's being present, we're talking about mindfulness, maybe? I think a part of it's mindfulness, mm -hmm. and I think also it's how people go about structuring the information around their obligations. And there are mind-friendly ways to do that, and there are mind-unfriendly ways to do that. Okay. So, so let's take a scenario that, okay. you know, your boss come into your office or into you into you while you're in the farm cube and said, hey, um, I want you to take this application that we have into the cloud. You know, pick any cloud scenario and um, in a mindful way or unmindful way, I mean, how would we approach that? And you could do one one mindful and then one unmindful. Okay. 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 Let me give you the default, often the default behavior that I think we all experience okay. is that when we get an outside, I'll call it an event. Okay. We get this outside request, we get this obligation, we have a decision that we have to make on what to do with it. And in that situation, you couldn't do what often is, can be a convenient response, which is execute. Mm -hmm. right? So if I get that request, I get that obligation, one thing I can immediately do, hey, I'm going to go get it done right now, and then it's off my mind. Another one that we can do is that we attempt to store that request in our mind because we can't immediately execute it. There's some problems with that. I'll come back to that. Um, the third thing we can do is we can take that obligation or that request, get it out of our mind, and put it in a trusted system. And that trusted system has features to it. And if we manage it well, our mind will let it go. So if we don't, if we put it in our mind, 
our mind doesn't have a mind, and if we don't get it externalized, that obligation is going to come back at us often when we can't do anything about it and we get into mental loops. So we're looking more of a, a knowledge management system, for kind of, per se, in, in terms of putting it into a system? Uh, it could be knowledge, uh, but this would be, I would probably call it an action management system. Okay. So a place that you are confident that your obligations are stored and that it's trusted in the sense that it reliably tells you what your obligations are. So you could use a digital Kanban, for example. You could use a digital Kanban. You could use Post-it notes. There's really no technology inhibitors. Some have better features than others. But the key is that system has to be trusted. Okay. So let's say we use a digital Kanban. Okay. And we have to do, doing, and done. Those okay. are our wonderful three columns. Okay. Um, how would you walk through that? So I'm putting all of these, these concept ideas to-dos out there, I mean, how would I prioritize and then like walk through them, you know, using a system like that? Yeah. So, uh, so Kanban's one, right? Yeah. So a couple features of that, of any system, is that in, in order for you to be confident that you can prioritize it, it's got to be complete. So you've got to rely on whatever's in that system to hold all of the potential things that could require action from you. If it doesn't, if it's incomplete, then you're not actually in a place to know if what really could be the range of options for what to execute on. So that's a key thing. Um, the other thing that I find that's really powerful, particularly when we're dealing with actions, is that people understand the difference between a, a task they can get done and a project they've taken on. And I'll just define a project as something that requires more than one task to complete. And so I think one of the things is to be able to clearly know, is this an action I can do in one step, or is this a longer commitment of a series of actions? Because you'll manage those differently. Okay. And so, so those are key. So you, you said something about complete and incomplete, mm -hmm. a system that is either complete or incomplete. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about what makes it complete. So I think one, one of the things that's, that's key to make it complete in the sense is that it's, my recommendation would be that it's holistic for every dimension of your life, right? And we're not, we're not sliced up in our commitments to only have work commitments, only have home commitments, only have other obligations. We tend to have systems that manage one aspect of that well, um, but that's one dimension of complete, is in the sense that, hey, when I have that opportunity contextually, that I've got, I've got all of it in front of me, and I've got freedom to choose. Now, in practice, you don't look at them all, because another feature of a system that makes it differentiated is you can filter it down to a context that you go, okay, in this circumstance, I really only want to care about work, and I can filter that down. So, um, one way to see complete is nothing left stored in your mind. Okay. Okay. There is no need for your mind, and particularly our subconscious, to maintain an obligation, and that our subconscious will actually release it when we actually, on the inside, are convinced that an external system holds it for us, and that it's available and relevant when I need to get to it. So what's up with this stuff that when I wake up at 2, 3 in the morning, you know, my mind would go, ah! 
and I have stuff stored off into this reliable system. You know, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no. So depending on what it is, right? Because our mind can can get all things going. So let me just narrow it down. When our mind comes back and in our subconscious brings something to our conscious onto our mental stage that's a thing to do, right? That is a signal that of the limitations of our subconscious. And, and so one example of that is it comes up at 2.30 in the morning, right? Your, your subconscious does not have the benefit of knowing what time it is. Yeah. Right? So it's going to be driven by urgency and uh, a very non-contextual sense of relevance. So if it's a thing to do and your subconscious brings it to your conscience, that's its attempt to, in a sense, refresh itself. Okay. And so how do you, how do you let, how does your subconscious right, know to let it go? Either do it or put it in a place yeah. where you'll come back to it frequently enough. So, so we need to work on training our subconscious, don't we? we? we absolutely. <laughs> well, we have to know its limits. And yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what made me so interesting about this is, you know, there's a lot of good writers. And I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. David Allen, Getting Things Done, you know. But when I read further into the, to the brain science and the cognitive performance, and you start, you start meshing some of these together, you know, we don't, actually come with a manual for how to use our mind. No. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> so it's an untrained thing to, for most of us, unless we've been intentional about it, to discover the limits of attention, the limits of conscious, the limits of short-term memory, you know, energy cycles. And so we actually need some equipping to... And, and a lot of people... Um, I, what I've experienced is if you've been untrained in it, once you get trained in it, you actually get to a place where you um, have a piece and your subconscious is free that you actually get to go solve very interesting problems because of your confidence in what it is that you're working on. Yeah, and one of the things that I do is that when my mind goes, ah, two in the morning, I get up and I write it down in a sticky. Right, and I said, okay, here, let that's me just it. free this off my mind. That's it. That's, so the, that, that's the best behavior. Put it there, and then I go back to bed. Otherwise, I'll sit there and try to solve it. Yeah. That's the way it's my mind getting a windy loop yeah. right, of, of trying to do that. Uh, how about neuroplasticity, right, in, in terms of how... Oh, that's a great question. You know, it, it, it helps us to change, yes. right? And our brains are changing because of yes. new ideas, because of you know, mindfulness. So, so let's dive into that a little Okay, okay. Um, I think one of the things that's, that's incredibly powerful about that is the, because of neuroplasticity, our ability to actually take on and embed and adopt new habits. And as a result of those habits, lighten the cognitive load of execution. So that to me is phenomenal. A great example to me, um, everybody can, almost everybody can relate to is learning how to drive, mm -hmm. right? When you first learn how to drive, it's a very, very conscious act. And as you gain that mastery, that ability gets embedded in your subconscious, and that allows you to drive and hold a conversation, listen to the radio, right? You know, think about other things. I mean, we may have all had that experience, right? Yep. You're driving, thinking about some other things, and all of a sudden you arrive and you go, oh, wait a minute. 
right? <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. Right? Whoa. Why? Because the skills of driving has have become embedded to a place through neuroplasticity, yeah. right? And, and that we don't have to use a, a whole bunch of attention to actually execute a very complicated skill, right? And that applies to a whole bunch of things. And that's pretty exciting from, yeah. a, from a change point of view. It certainly does because it's not only just learning how to drive, but it's learning the route, right? The, the whole That's route right. that you take to work, yep. right? And you, you get in the car and you're like almost an automatic pilot. Yes. From the time you get out of the house into the car until you get into the office or wherever, whatever other destination, it just happens. And you're like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. Unless you have traffic in a four or five. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, right. Then you're oh, like, what is this disruption? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or you're used to traffic, right? Yeah. And you just go with the flow, and and uh, yeah, and that's that's pretty exciting. And, and exciting in the sense that because you can train your awareness, and you can embed some of these things, that things that you care about, um, you need to have a a period of time where you're using your direct will apply energy to gain that skill mm -hmm. and then over time that energy requirement to apply that skill will become less and less so that gets embedded and that to me is almost unlimited in terms of from the skills point of view and so disruption okay right I mean so disruption comes and crashes in and changes everything okay right or we may introduce disruption okay so when we start thinking about a mindfulness and we walk into neuroplasticity mm -hmm. when we bring new disruption into that mix i mean how does this thing turn everything on its head mm. right if you think about yeah how wild disruption is yeah yeah man disruption is a big thing yeah um, there's there's probably a couple layers to that and i think one that that my just knowing you and being around yeah. you, I know I know you would probably get this intuitively just because of your your thoughtfulness and and all the the, the self study that you've done, is that to even be aware that disruption is occurring is incredibly incredibly powerful. Yeah, right. And and the the cues from your own self, right? Your rate of breathing, your you're aware the narrowingness, the narrowing of your own focus, you know, the kind of self-talk and the dialogue that you're presenting to yourself and how that changes, you know, that that kind of just even that habit of being mindful of that allows you, I think, in disruption to be present to other people in ways that are can be uncommon because you're able through habit to step back and be aware of your state and then therefore manage it in a different way. And then you're, you're equipped to help other people in other ways. So that's kind of where I start, is that first, yeah. that first, first person perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard. I mean, yeah. if, it, if it's big, you know, it's the disorienting, the disorienting nature of it um, can be huge. Yeah, like natural disasters, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous, like the hurricanes that we're experiencing oh. now. It's like, ah, Un huge. Unbelievable, yeah. right? In terms of what you think you can reliably count on to be available in your environment because of like a natural disaster yeah. or some of those circumstances completely taken away. And now you have no reliable 
normal patterns. I can't drive there. I can't turn on this light. Yeah. 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 yeah those are those are all the big things. They're big. Yeah. So when when we think about lean, right, and lean thinking is, is okay. one of the principles yes. that I love is lean yes. thinking. Yes. And I think about I think of three things. Right. Okay. I think about maximizing value. Okay. I think about minimizing um, waste and enabling flow. Those are the three things mm. that I think about, mm. right? Um, how, how does our mind wrap itself around it? Or what does it go through when, when it tries to accomplish these three things, right? Because yeah. they're really important things. Yeah, that's right? really good. That's yeah. really good. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of lean as well. I'm, I've, I'm nowhere near where you've been on that journey. But what I think happens is that is that as you develop that that value and that that you tune your attention and so that tuned attention I'll give you an example if if you're in a context like here we're, we're in a room right now and I said notice blue mm-hmm. right what what happens is your attention gets reconfigured based your attention sounds funny your attention gets reconfigured based on intention right and now blue becomes in your awareness and so what I think happens in lean and in waste through, through thinking, through reflection, through seeing patterns, is that your attention gets tuned to it. So you could probably walk into a situation, a circumstance, something you're, you're, a work environment you're familiar with, and because of your tuned awareness, you're going to see waste. You're going to see the opportunity for unrecognized value that for those who have not invested in that, they can't see it. Right. And I think it starts there. And, and again, it's, it's somewhat never-ending you know, in that regard. But you, you get that ability to attune your attention. And now, now, as you develop that, you can start being more disciplined in picking up those signals and seeing opportunities. Yeah, and, and so one thing I don't want it to miss out is like the enable the, the enable flow. Because flow, is, I mean, once you get in a great flow state, whew, isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So also in terms of the mind getting there and, and staying there, right? Yeah. It, because you, you could get there for maybe thirty seconds and then you get out. But imagine being there for a full day, and I think that's what you're you're trying to get to with this mindfulness, right? At well, the workplace. Th- absolutely. I think I think flow is a part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. one one. One author who I respect incredibly who tackled this in, I think, a very powerful way uh, is, he's actually a computer scientist by mm-hmm. trade, is Cal Newport, okay. who wrote a book called Deep Work. Okay. And he talks about the contrast between shallow work and deep work. And so it's, it's often in flow that we get to deep work, where we get this sustained, focused attention with very high barriers to distraction. And for many people, they never experience flow because they've missed some of the fundamentals to actually create a context where their attention can be used in that way. And so absolutely, you know, flow is a part of it. Um, and there's a lot in our world that's really contrary to that. Yeah. You know, always on 24-7 media, the never-ending text, phone, emails. Know, one study I can't cite the source, uh, but it's conceivable that talks about the average the average professional worker today checks email every seven minutes. 
raised my hand. <laughs> and I have, you know, and another, I only have, I have two devices and one on my arm. There you <laughs> go. That's right. That's right. One for home, one for work, and one of them tapped in with my watch. And there you <laughs> my go. Right, and so that's that can be pretty rough to get into flow yeah. or to get high barriers to, to something breaking into your attention, when we've allowed a lot of these external signals, to uh, kind of have the ability to trump, um, uh, really at any moment our attention. Yeah. So so if we want to share this knowledge and encourage people to walk down this path. This okay. journey that you've been on, yeah. right, and then you've been sharing with us for the last few minutes. Um, where would you guide them to? You know, what do they read? Um, what websites would they go and check out? Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. right? really get it, get really in tune yeah. to where you are. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a big one, and I'll I'll, I'll try to make this brief. And yeah. I think where it starts, actually, for most people, is beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so we have beliefs about what makes us productive. We have beliefs about our intention. And I think to check in with your beliefs, because we're going we're gonna to run on those rails regardless. Yeah. And so if you kind of check in with where you are, you've got a baseline to now then be moved by other thinkers and best practices. So that to me is a biggie, is, is checking in with your own beliefs. And sometimes in some of these things, we've never externalized them. Um, but you know, some of the classics, to me, in terms of, of advancing and just the basic physics of managing your attention and your obligations, um, I think David Allen getting things done mm -hmm. is, still, is still enormous. Yeah. Um, to see what your brain does in a work context, um, I think the book Your Brain at Work mm -hmm. is incredibly, incredibly powerful to kind of open it up to options. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, those are two that come to mind. Kind of. and, and I think the other in that is um, we, we knowingly have to minimize, or we're minimizers in terms of our cognitive load. And I believe our attention and our will is a very scarce resource. And so just how you have created habits to deploy your attention and deploy your willpower, mm -hmm. I think, is, as an inventory to say, wait a minute, how am I doing that today? And, and then do I have a model in an author like a David Allen or a mentor being around folks like you to say, is there a better way that I can get exposure to? Because you gotta, you got to have a vision for it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. you got to have a vision. So if we, people wanted to reach out to you, I mean, how do they connect with you and, you know, maybe blog a little, send you an email, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, what, what are some good ways to reach, read out to me? I would probably say probably the easiest, uh, I'm going to give my email, so mm -hmm. van at rocket9solutions.com okay. is a great way to reach out and and connect. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's a great. You can find me on Twitter. What's what's your Twitter handle? You can't uh, walk Van in. Ray. Van uh, at Van at, Ray. At Van Ray. That's just V A N W R A Y. Yes. Thank you for clearing that. Yeah. So yes, my name really is Van V A N Ray W R A Y. So awesome. at Van Ray, and I'm not super active, but I am active enough that Twitter would work too. That, that's beautiful. 
Well, thank you so much for like sharing this, this man, this incredible thought process. And I've been waiting to talk to you about this for a while. <laughs> it's been about a month or two. I'm glad we got, we got it worked out. Yeah, I mean, it's great to come to Agile Open. I mean, there's so many good things that, that happen here. So before we go, um, we're at Agile Open um, SoCal um, 2017 at um, the UCI uh, campus. What was your takeaway today? One or two things that you... Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I think that's a great question. Um, boy, there's been so many good sessions uh, that today. I think one of the ones was, to me, that's a huge ta uh, takeaway is to helping organ being thoughtful about helping organizations and organizational leaders understand where agile can take them. And the practices are important, the think is important, being agile is important, but helping those leaders connect to better outcomes. And that's, I think, a never-ending need to say, well, yeah. this is where it will take you. That's amazingly great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Van. <laughs> this, this is good. You bet. Yeah. Look for the Null Share with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes and Google Play. The Null Share with Dr. Dave podcast is hosted on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at DrDaveInfo or at NullShare. This podcast and interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2017, NullShare.